Welcome to Mumbition, the podcast for business-owning women by Mums & Co, where we share inspiring stories of Australian mums in business. I'm Kerry Kwan, the co-founder of Mums & Co, and I will be joined each week by our community manager, Lucy Kippist. Together, we'll discuss how our guests harmonise their ambition, livelihood, and well-being. Let's get into the inspiring stories now. In the spirit of reconciliation, Mums & Co acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to Elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Today's episode starts with some fascinating facts. Did you know that in the past two decades, we've seen a 45% increase in female business owner managers in Australia? And that according to the Boston Consulting Group, the economic opportunity for boosting this number of female entrepreneurs on parity with men will be worth somewhere between $75 and $135 billion dollars. Our guest for today's episode is doing her part to see the manifestation of this incredible metric. Maxine Sharin is the Festival Director of Spark Festival, Australia's Festival of Innovation, a non-for-profit bringing together people, ideas and resources across the Australian innovation and startup ecosystem. Mums & Co proudly joined in last year's festival, representing approximately 345,000 business-owning mums in Australia and bringing our focus on harmony and wellbeing to the collective pursuit of Australia's women's ambition. Maxine, welcome to the Mumbition Podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to be here at last. You know our movement is known for helping our members develop their elevator pitch, so can you please share yours? Absolutely. Um, It's actually something I'm very passionate about and always trying to improve with myself. But my favourite one at the moment is pretty much what you've captured already, which is I'm Maxine Sharon and I'm Program Director of Spark Festival, which is Australia's largest event for startups, innovators and entrepreneurs of every stripe and background. And that inclusivity is testament to everything that you do. What do you love about your business right now? Oh, right now. Um, Look, it's a thing that I've always loved since 2016 when Spark Festival started. It's the people that I meet and get to connect with um, doing this festival. Actually, a bit of background. Before 2016, I wasn't running Spark Festival. I was running my own business, which was um, called Web Directions, which was Australia's um, sort of first event for web designers and developers that we started back in 2004. And so I didn't actually know that much about startups and entrepreneurship. Even though I'd had my own business all that time, I didn't really identify necessarily as an entrepreneur in a way. And so it was only when I started with Spark that I realised that there's this massive sort of zeitgeist out there around this idea of entrepreneurship. And it's drawing in people of all backgrounds, all ages, which I find really interesting as well, and all experiences in life. 
And I'm just lucky enough to have a job where I get to um, engage with those people and get a little bit of their um, sort of rampant optimism to, um, you know, get me through the day every day. That's what I love about what I do with Spark. And I often get stories back about the kinds of things that have happened, of people who've met people at Spark events, even last year where it was all online, where it's obviously so much harder to um, meet and make connections. But I got a wonderful story from someone who attended an online event, connected with the presenter. He's ended up moving to Newcastle and the presenter has become become an investor in his business. Hearing stuff like that is incredibly rewarding. I know that rampant optimism is projected in everything you do as well. And when you were saying how you made that leap to entrepreneurship, and I, I, I might have sensed a hesitation that, you know, even you identifying as an entrepreneur was a jump, was a leap of sorts. And I'm always fascinated with that because there's that entrepreneurial character in almost, I would definitely say in every small business owner. It's it's something that you take the leap into the unknown, you're taking risks, you're trying to find product market fit, you're trying to find the right customers. You are an entrepreneur. 100%, yeah, but it, it is very hard for some people to identify as that. And I think I might have found it especially hard myself because I didn't, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people like this, I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background at all. You know, both my parents, my mum was a teacher, my dad was a mechanic, they worked for the same people from 1969 until they retired in the early 2000s, I think. And it just really wasn't on the agenda. And, you know, like I was also of that era that even when I went to university, right, I was lucky enough to go to university, but it wasn't yet the zeitgeist that you went to university and then you thought about starting your own business. You went to university and you became a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant and you got a good job. And I finished uni in 90, what was it, 1990, in fact. So that's that sort of era. But something happened over the next decade to 15 years and is very much um, around now Everyone wants to try this thing of um, starting their own business. I think it's becoming a lot more of an acceptable moniker, I suppose. Like I think even when I would have finished uni, entrepreneurialism was, um, first of all, inaccessible, but if it was, it was probably associated with things that you, you didn't want to be in a way culturally. Yeah, I, I hear what you're describing is that it's that sort of fluidity, isn't it, between your profession and your work and, and that's all part of that mindset of, of being entrepreneurial, which is still very much, I think, defining itself and it defines itself through each each person as they take it on as well. A bigger part of that obviously is it's not just enough to have a great idea, you've got to have a business and then you've got to have a platform to to spruik it and share it with other people to make it meaningful. And that's obviously what Spark Festival is all about. So we were talking about, you know, it's a busy time for you building things up with that at the moment and there's so many moving pieces. So I'm wondering what have you had to stop doing in order to make Spark Festival a success? Perfectionism, 
right? It's um, it's the thing that will kill you. I do think I'm pretty good at letting go, at, you know, realising when you've got to that 80% mark and you've just got to get it out the door. And, you know, I think testament to that is the fact that pretty much on a skeleton staff of myself and a couple of others, I managed to deliver a festival with, you know, 100-plus events, hundreds of people involved in it, all these organisations from across Australia. If you're going to sweat the details, you just can't do it, right? But then there's always that thing of all, you know, what is good enough? Because if you don't sweat any details ever, obviously you end up with something that is too much of a mess. What I've taught myself to do is to realise when to let go and also when to delegate to someone else, which is another thing that's a little bit tricky with Spark because most of the year Spark Festival is just me. Right. So I've got all these, you know, there's things everywhere, basically. There's drives and there's Slack channels and there's this, that and the other. But somehow we all pull it together. The mind boggles at that, Maxine. Not not the not the system, but the you know, the sheer volume of people. I know, there's there's just so much in my head, you know, and like it, it's it's Bronte who's working for me at the moment. I'll refer to her. And um, you know, she only this is only her fourth day today. Um, but she's worked before, so you know, it kind of works okay. But yeah, last night I ended up sitting down and there was all this stuff that needed to be changed in our CMS. And I realized that I don't even need to consult the spreadsheet to update this information because even though we're talking about hundreds of lines and hundreds of events in a spreadsheet, because I've been with it for months, I kind of know all these people. Can I suggest a term there that would be very apt, I think, Maxine? It's MVP, which is minimum viable perfection. (laughs) Exactly. I like that. Yeah, yeah, because you do have to have some degree of attention to detail, right? Like I am a details person, but then at the same time there's some stuff that you just got to let it go because otherwise, you know, you'd be there 24 hours a day finessing every single detail. Absolutely, and it's something that I've heard Carrie say many times. It's that progress over perfection, which in the context of getting a festival up and running or an event up and running, it's absolutely essential. Yeah, just that thing that you're always moving forward. Absolutely. And something that a question that might be connected to that, as Carrie mentioned at the beginning, we love asking women to to give us their business pitch, but we also like fostering connections and introductions where we can. So is there something that you need right now that someone in our community could possibly put up their hand and and say, I'll help you, Maxine. <laughs> it's going to sound a little bit sort of obvious in a way, but um, Spark needs a benefactor. Spark needs someone, you know, whether it be from a philanthropical perspective or um, someone who believes in the future of Australia being based on entrepreneurialism, tech and startups who could sort of get behind, give us some support in some ways and help it grow into the thing that it could become because at the moment, you know, it's very grassroots, right, and most of the year it is just me. Spark could be so much more and happening right throughout the year. It's a good question. You never know. Put it out there to the universe. (laughs) I think there's definitely some corporate or some collective that can step up and own that because they're not just safeguarding this generation of entrepreneurship. It's this forward generations, you know, Australians are a very lucky country and, uh, you know, the Spark Festival is absolutely on our calendar every year. So if you're listening from any of those organisations, definitely reach out to Maxine, please. 
So we're named Mums & Co because we refer often to that community of support around us. Who are your co, Maxine, and what does being a part of a network like Mums & Co mean to you? It's incredibly broad who you will find who's interested in startups and innovation now, right? So in doing Spark Festival, I've met people like the guy who runs the greatest Redfern convenience store down in Redfern, who if you don't know him already, you should be following him on Instagram, absolute master of Insta. And, um, you know, he's a guy who runs a convenience store on a corner. Like he's one, he's actually one of my um, sort of small business heroes in a way. So you meet people like that, right? But then at the other end of Spark Festival, you know, and again part of my co are people who are pushing forward the future for quantum computing in Australia. And somehow there's this sort of spark in a way that does tie all these people together. They believe in a different future and they believe that they've they've got a way of um, embodying that future themselves and making it happen. Maxine, you've given us a, a really good overview of, of how busy work is for you and enjoyable obviously too, but what's something that you do every single day or every week that really helps to ensure your well-being? I do actually carve out quite a bit of time away from the screen, definitely. I do quite a bit of sewing of my own clothes, which is so different to this world. I'm also a bit of a yoga fanatic. So um, yeah, definitely try and do a bit of yoga and meditation every single day. And I also put a bit of energy into eating well, because I think that's really, really important as well. I just find myself that once you, and I'm sure we all go through this, that when you get to that stage where you can't be bothered cooking and you're getting lots of takeaway and eating out, you just start to feel terrible and it really affects the mind. So I'm a bit of a fanatic about making sure that I um, I pretty much cook every meal that I eat, at the, especially at the moment, right? Oh, and I, I dabble a little bit in crypto trading at the moment. That's another screen-based pastime. So, um, yeah, quite a mixture of things that I find relaxing at the moment that take me away from um, thinking about whether Mums & Co have got their Spark Festival event organised, which, by the way, you all have. I know you've done a wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wonderful array of, of things to do, and I love that you sew your own clothes. You don't hear that very much. That's awesome. No, although there's, a, as you can imagine, there's a massive world out there of um, the whole um, maker movement. So, yeah, on Instagram there's, yeah, there's no shortage of people and fabric makers have had a bit of a renaissance and there's cool little shops in, you know, Melbourne or London where you can order stuff and, yeah, there's a whole world of makers. It's amazing. So as we, as we mentioned a little bit earlier that, Spark Festival covers a huge amount of ground and obviously you've got hundreds of stakeholders at any given time, which, you know, as we've discussed before, makes you a bit of a logistics queen. But what steps have you taken to protect Spark from business and event risk? It was something that was kind of built into Spark from the get-go. When I first took on this role back in 2016, I had extremely limited resources maybe they were imposed by me, but extremely high expectations about, um, you know, the amount of impact that this event was going to have. So I just thought to myself, like, well, how is this How is this going to work? Like it's basically just me and I might be able to hire someone for a few weeks around the time of the festival. How am I going to deliver something with massive impact? And it just occurred to me that I wasn't going to deliver anything. I was going to reach out to that existing community 
and bring them together as the people who, you know, by and large, most of the events on the Spark Festival program are delivered by the hundreds of organisations like Mums and Co. And um, what that resulted in is that, and this was a, a happy um, accident in a way. I didn't, I didn't realise that this was going to happen. That's what created the community around Spark Festival because it's not really owned by me or anyone for that matter it's owned by all those people who contribute the events to the program so that was going along very well for um what was it four years until up to including 2019 and then when COVID came along um I didn't realize that you know a, a sort of third benefit was going to be the level of flexibility that that gives you right so what's happened this year is that um, we are actually able to deliver an event that will be, you know, for people, for my, all the event hosts that are in Sydney and I'd imagine most likely Melbourne as well, it's going to be a largely online experience. But at the same time, we can celebrate in person in places like Perth and Adelaide and Brisbane and Launceston and Darwin, for that matter. And so this sort of radical flexibility, in a sense, is the thing that de-risked the festival, in a way. It made it possible to continue because I'd always thought last year and this year, I thought the biggest risk is to not go ahead and not do anything at any time. Because you just, you know, you, the, the brand is no longer out there as strongly and um, someone else can, can step in there much more easily, I suppose. And people forget about you and move on. It's just having that sort of massive grassroots community and the flexibility that goes with it is something that allows you to um, just keep on going, basically, with Spark despite anything that the world has thrown at us so far. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing all that. It's wonderful to hear the evolution of, of, of that and how, how it comes together as well. So thank you. So what's an insight into Maxine as a business-owning woman that we might not see on your LinkedIn page? And what will your next promotion post be about? Well, an insight into Maxine that you might not see um, on LinkedIn is that I'm an absolute stickler for timekeeping. <laughs> Anyone who knows me will learn this about me. You know that thing that, um, you know, if you want to be successful in the workplace, there's sort of three aspects of your personality that you can have. Like you can be really amazing and the absolute best at your job. You can be very, very reliable and you can be nice, okay? And you don't have to be all three of those things because let's face it, who is? But you have to be two of them, okay, at any given time and you'll, you will find success in life. So the two that I consider that I'm really good at is being reliable and being nice. I'm not necessarily the best at what I do, but I make up for that by being really reliable and really nice. But I tell you, I've never found someone who wasn't reliable, right, that I could work with at the end of the day. So, yeah, that's one of my sort of, I guess it's a core value for me. And um, it definitely outweighs those those other things, I suppose. But, yes, I'm never going to post that on LinkedIn. That's only for your podcast. <laughs> People have to find that out when they're late for their first interview with me and they wonder why I'm frowning. <laughs> One, it's a great framework. And secondly, that dependability is so important, isn't it? You know, that creating that trust. Yeah, it's exactly. It creates trust. Yeah, if you can't just sort of think that, you know, someone's going to turn up or they're going to do what they've been allocated or they're going to let you know why they can't do it, you know, or when it's going to be delivered, then 
I don't know how you can survive if you um if you don't have that. I think it, it's 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 mutual respect. It's that you know doing what you say you will do is so important. And as small business owners, we don't have the capacity to be unreliable or work with people who are unreliable because every moment count, every dollar counts. It's so true. So true. Yeah, and that thing you, you put it as, you know, doing what you say you will do, like the kind of flip side of that is not saying that you will do too much as well, which I, I know I can be a little bit of a victim of that, is sort of over-promising and then killing myself to deliver and hating everything but somehow um, learning from that. But, um, yeah, it's that's part of the issue. I, I don't think you're in the only one there too, Maxine. It's, it's, it's fascinating because... I think as women business owners, we tend to try and get everything, like you say, you know, we talked about perfectionism and, you know, you actually are so reliable that you thought of every single possibility almost before you kind of take that leap. But in that process, that actually causes us to sweat the things that perhaps don't matter as much because we're worrying about things that we don't need to really worry about. I'm just smiling because... I'm remembering the um, the first year I ever did Spark Festival. Um, we had the opportunity, courtesy of City of Sydney, to um, sort of basically take over Martin Place, which I don't I don't think I'd ever even done an outdoor event before. And so we ended up doing a sort of closing closing night party, I suppose, in Martin Place, which rained, of course, which put me off doing outdoor events ever again. But um, I had a couple of friends, you know, because I was obviously cobbling together the team to make it happen at the last minute because the funding had come through so late. And um, I had a friend of mine who helped me out on the day just with, you know, handing out T-shirts and just being there to help me run the, run the show. And um, at one stage early on, um, before we were starting, some guys from City of Sydney turned up with um, wheelie bins for us to dispose of all the rubbish there. And, um, you know, which to me was just like, well, of course we did that. But my friend who was helping me, he actually still brings up the fact that you even thought of wheelie bins in Martin Place. (laughs) He uses that as the example of my attention to detail. Wheelie bins in Martin Place. Now, Maxine, at Mums & Co, we talk often about um, harmony as a triangle of ambition, livelihood and well-being. Could you describe the shape of a good life for you? Yeah, I totally, I I saw those three words and thought that is really beautiful. A good life for me, um, yes, definitely has a degree of ambition to it, you know, Um, but it also has a very high degree of connectivity to other people like that's where I draw my my energy from and my reason in a way it's those those relationships that you you build through life and through work and um again that's actually another thing I love about um spark is the number of people that I've met through spark that um you know have gone on to become friends for life that's so beautiful I love I love that (laughs) it's so important it is. It is. I'm, I'm nothing without my connections, you know. Maxine, we obviously at Mums & Co are big about celebrating women, supporting women, and we do our best to do that as well. So who are the, the small business heroines in, in your network that you'd like to say hello to today? Oh, absolutely. They're people who I know through Mums & Co. Of course I want to say hello to the lovely Sarah Nelson who drew me into this world. 
And then I'd also love to say hi to Aoife O'Connell, who I met through, well, I didn't even know I was meeting her through Mums and Co, but I did. Um, she found me and she's actually helping Spark with our um, marketing strategy and execution this year as well. So, um, yeah, and she's just bringing me to a whole new level in that regard. Amazing woman. So, yeah, shout out to them. Maxine, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and thank you for your company. If you would like to follow Maxine and the Spark Festival, you can find them both on LinkedIn and also don't forget to connect with us on the Mums & Co LinkedIn page too while you're there. And if you haven't already, please come and join our mumbitious supportive movement of thousands of Australian business-owning women just like you at mumsandco.com.au. This is Remy. Hi, Remy. Hi. Do you throw a party after each Spark Festival? And how do you celebrate? (laughs) Well, yes. The question of closing parties is actually a bit of a vexed question with Spark Festival. (laughs) We did throw closing parties, as I previously mentioned, for the first two years, both times in Martin Place. The first time it rained... A little bit, you know, but not enough to dull people's um, spirits because it was the first Spark Festival and so lots of people came along. We had food trucks and wine and whatever in Martin Place and speeches from the minister, that kind of thing. The second year, um, we backed it up and thought, let's do it even better this time. Um, But this time the weather decided, yeah, we can do it even better as well. And absolutely, you know those Sydney days where it just completely buckets down? (laughs) Luckily, we had a, um, a sort of canopy, so we were hiding under that. But literally, and I don't blame anyone who didn't turn up, I think we had a dozen people turn up to our closing party. So since then, I was sworn off closing parties. But I think when we go back to in-person again, I might be ready to give it another go. Thank you. No worries. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mumbition by Mums & Co., Head over to the show notes for a full transcript of the interview and any links we have referred to. Mums & Co. is Australia's most caring business network for women. Join us today for just $30 at mumsandco.com.au. This podcast was produced and edited by Morgan Sebastian Brown of Brown Tree Productions and hosted by Kerry Kwan, co-founder of Mums & Co. and community manager Lucy Kippis. We love hearing your feedback, so if you haven't already, Please share, rate and review this podcast and we can reach more business-owning mothers just like you.